Uh, my favorite show, uh, TV show of all time is Survivor. Um, and to be very specific, it's not even the Australian Survivor, it's US Survivor. And uh, recently, um, Paramount Plus, a, a new streaming service, Paramount Plus, if you want to, you know, if you need a brand ambassador, I'm happy to be that for you. Um, they just came out and they've got all 40 seasons of US Survivor. And I'm like, praise the Lord. It's been so good. Um, I, I just I just love it, like the idea of of the 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 battle against nature, but then the battle against man, and the not just the physical game, but it's the mental game and it's the social game. And you know, my dream, like I know that no one would have written that I would have ever been the sole survivor at our church. Hundred percent, it would not be me. Um, I also know that there are certain people that would not make the first cut. Uh, I, I, some honourable mentions. Uh, yeah, Melissa Soon and my wife would not make the first cut because there wouldn't be no betting. Um, I'm pretty sure Albert Jang would not also make the first cut as well. Um, uh, surprising to his looks, he's quite um, delicate. That's what we've been told. Um, uh, our drummer, uh, uh, fierce, tough Ansley, uh, once again, uh, looks tough, but I've been on missions with him, a little delicate. Um, I actually think, I actually think if our church did or went on Survivor, I think Pastor James would get pretty far um, in that because he he's so sometimes oblivious to the surroundings that he doesn't know, he doesn't know if people are going to be like trying to backstab him or like talk about him. He's just like, let's go and get some coconuts, you know. <laughs> and so I think, be, I think he'd get pretty far. I think Janice would get really far as well. I think she's very resourceful um, with what she does, but it'd be fun. But yeah, the day we as a church go and do Survivor is the day that our church uh, ceases to exist because that would be the end of that. But one of the things that I love about Survivor and also one of the things that is most frustrating about watching Survivor is watching how people make decisions in their life and then struggle to live those decisions out. And there's a phrase and it reads this, you've made your bed, now lie in it. You've made your bed, now lie in it. And this phrase means that whatever happens as a result of your actions or your decisions, you need to face the consequences. And some people would call this log, uh, uh, responsible. Some people would call this justice. To me, it just seems logical. If you've made a decision or taken an action, Regardless of what the outcome is, you have to accept it. You have to accept that that's the consequence. If you do the crime, you do the time. That's what New South Wales Police says. See, why, why watching uh, Survivor sometimes gets frustrating is people make decisions and they can't accept the consequence of that decision, or they, they lack the foresight to see what the consequences would be of their certain actions and decisions. You know, uh, it's like if you eat unhealthy food every day and, and, and you don't exercise, and yet you complain that you're not getting skinnier. Doesn't make sense. Or if you're a student 
and you're not studying, but you choose to play the social game and you hang out with your friends and then you get to your final exam and, and they give you a D, not D for distinction, but D for dumb, <laughs> right? You, you know, there, there are people that are like, I can't believe that I got a D or I can't believe I failed that subject. And you're like, well, dude, you, you spend more time at the pub with your friends than studying. People forget that, that with every action, there is a reaction. That the results to your actions and decisions exist. They're real. But when they say, hey, if this is the bed you've made and now you have to lie in it, they can't hack it. It's unfair. And I, I find that frustrating. Last week, we started our new series in the book of Isaiah. And last week, we began with a situation analysis. And, and what we saw was that it was not good. God's people, the Israelites, who were saved by God out of Egypt, out of slavery, had forgotten God, turned away from Him, and were living for themselves. That was the situation that we walked into uh, when Isaiah uh, begins Today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5, all the way to the end of chapter, uh, verse 22. And chapter five, uh, verse 5 reads this, Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord, meaning let us walk in the way that God wants us to walk. This is God's desire. This is what God wanted for his people. And yet we find that Israel is doing the complete opposite. They're not walking in the light of the Lord. They're walking in the dark of the world. They've chosen the complete opposite. And what chapter 2, what we're going to look at, what we're going to find in chapter 2 is some more specific reasons of why this is the case. It's not just the Israelites are in a bad place or, or they've turned away from God. But today we're going to look at two specific reasons why God's people have turned away, had turned away from God. The first one is this, idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of a physical or created object as a God. Let's go to verse 6 in chapter 2. You, Lord, have abandoned your people. The descendants of Jacob, they are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands to what their fingers have made. So people will be brought low and everyone humbled. Do not Forgive them. We see that the Israelites have been consumed by idolatry, by not worshipping the true God, the Creator, but they are now worshipping the created elements. And we see that there's different idols that, Israelites, that the Israelites have chosen to worship. Uh, firstly, we see that they've picked up idols from neighbouring nations, and we call them neighbouring gods. It says, uh, we see that from the east, uh, most likely from the Assyrians, they adopted superstitions. Examples of superstitions would be things like witchcraft, omens, magic, charms. 
But not only from the east, they also, it also says that they practice divination. Uh, sounds a little bit like Harry Potter, but it, divination like the Philistines and embraced pagan customs. Now, examples of these would be things like fortune tellers or soothsayers, exorcisms, and once again, things like magic. And the key is this. They took the idols of their neighboring nations and made it their own and worshipped them. That's what the idolatry was about. They stopped worshipping God, but they started worshipping the gods of neighboring nations. Superstitions, divinations, and pagan customs. Modern day examples of what this would be would be things like fortune telling, belief in karma, uh, lucky numbers, squeegee boards, And it's not just about believing that they exist. Ouija boards, squeegee boards is what you wash your car window with. My apologies. (laughs) I had a rough night last night. All parents will know this one. It's not just about believing in them, but it's about worshipping them, making them the, the front and center of your life, trusting in these idols rather than trusting in God. So that's the first type of idol that the Israelites had chosen to worship. The second type of idol that we see is the idol of mammon. Now what's mammon? The word mammon is the Hebrew word that means money, possession, and things. We see that the Israelites had filled their land with silver and gold, horses and chariots. That's what it says in the verses, that there was so much of that. They worshipped stuff. They worshipped money. They worshipped possessions. That was their God. Money and wealth had become the center of their lives, the center of their desires, and the center of their worship. And it's interesting, but it kind of feels very similar to the world that we live in today, doesn't it? Idolatry was the first reason why Israel had fallen so far from God. Because instead of worshipping God the Creator, they chose to worship created things. The second reason why Israel had fallen away from God was the reason of pride. Pride takes credit for achievements and accomplishments. Now, I preached on pride not too long ago. And at the time, we said that the problem with human pride was that they were taking credit for things that God had done or that God had given them. And when we take pride in those things, we are ultimately backhanding God and not giving God the credit for what He has done, rather taking the credit ourselves. Listen to the accomplishments of the Israelites that they, uh, of the Israelites that they were proud of in verse 12 to 16. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. For all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, and for all the towering mountains and all the high hills, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, for every trading ship and every stately vessel. This picture of this amazing uh, nation, this amazing scenery, amazing creation, uh, amazing towers, things that they have made and things that they have achieved, all these things, they were taking credit for. 
If money was the source of idolatry, pride is what drives that idolatry. The issue with pride was that they were trusting in their accomplishments or their things around them for their salvation and well-being rather than trusting in God. And once again, it sounds very similar to the world we live in today. Our education, our money, our buildings, our families, our friendships, our retirement plan, our dreams. All these things we live for, thinking that that is, one of, that is what's going to give us security. That is what's going to give us significance. That is what's going to give us safety. But that's putting our hope and faith in created things once again, because that's not trusting God. So the two reasons that Isaiah picks out, idolatry and pride. But throughout the passage, Isaiah tells the people who are committing idolatry and pride that there will be a time that the bed that they have made, that the Israelites will need to sleep in that bed. That there will be consequences for the actions and the choices that the Israelite people have made. Uh, chapter 2, verse 10 to 12. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled the human pr- and human pride brought low. The Lord, God, uh, the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. Jump to verse 17 to 21. The arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols will totally disappear. People will flee to caves in the rocks, to holes in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. In that day, people will throw away to the moles and bats their idols of silver and idols of gold, which they made to worship. They will flee to caverns in the rocks and the overhanging crags from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. Isaiah tells the people of God that there will be a day. There will be a day and he calls it the day of the Lord where things will change, where consequences will be faced and that the behavior and the decisions of the Israelites will be accounted for. And this day is not only known as the day of the Lord, but can also be known as the day of judgment, where all actions, thoughts and decisions will be put forth before the judge. Who's the judge? God Almighty. And not only will there need to be accountability in the decisions that people have made, but God will destroy on that day the idols and the proud will be made humble. In a sense, on that day, God will return and God will say, enough is enough. I've had enough. And we'll put things back into where he wants them to be. And I'm telling you now, the way I read this, right, it's not a gentle, like you get a message on your phone saying, hey, I'm coming home soon, so make sure that, you know, all the dishes are done. No. The day of the Lord will be a day of fear and trembling as the presence of God 
the fearful presence of God. It says people will flee to caves. People will throw away their idols. On that day, the almighty presence of God will come to make right what man has made wrong. And we will, not, and we will see not just the, the fearful presence, but here's the beauty of it. Because sometimes we think, man, when God returns, it's just going to be thunder and lightning. It's going to be like the horror show. You know, it's going to just be like doom and gloom. But actually, Scripture tells us that it's not, the, it's not just the fearful presence of the Lord, but it's also the day that we get to see the splendor of His majesty. The beauty of when God comes and makes things right again. And how wonderful and how beautiful that will be. For example, the day when God returns, when all disease will disappear. And that is going to be a scary day when God returns. But what a beautiful thought to to know that disease will not exist. That this pandemic that we've been going through and all the anxiety that we're going through, that one day there will be an end. And on that day, it's going to be on that day. Where the Lord will come and we're going to see the majestic beauty, the splendor, they call it, of our God. I promise you, when we see God, that's how we're going to feel. On the day of the Lord, we are going to be absolutely fearful. There is no other way to describe it. You cannot be in the presence of God and not shake in your boots. You will tremble in fear, but at the same time, you will be filled with awe. Awe, the base word for awesome. You will be filled with something that that you just won't be able to describe. How majestic and amazing God is. I was talking to a friend this week, and he said something so profound. I just had to add it to, to my sermon. He said, when you see God, like when you really see God and when you meet God, you can't go back to living the life that you've been living. Because what God is, who God is and what God has to offer is just so great. You won't want to go back. And the reason why people go back to their lives unchanged, untransformed, is because they haven't really met God. They haven't experienced the fullness of who God is that brings fearful trembling, but also majestic splendor. The chapter finishes with this wonderful practical verse, Isaiah 2.22, Stop trusting in me, humans, who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? I love this verse. How do, we, how do we walk in the light of the Lord? Stop trusting in not just humans. I love this. It's not just don't trust in humans, but don't trust in me humans. Just little man who have but a breath in their nostril. This verse puts everything into context, right? It puts humanity into its place. Why are we so amazed and why are we so trusting in me humans? At the end of the day, they are just humans. 
They are just skin and bones. And without the Spirit of God, without the breath of God that was breathed inside of them, they would be a sack of potatoes. Right? Why? What's so special about them? Why hold them in esteem? Why do we lift them up? See, I think sometimes, because we as humans, we, we, we find it hard to compare. Like we like comparing, but, but we, we find it hard to compare on the big picture. So we just compare with each other, right? Like, you know, like you're that little bit more better looking than me and you can sing that little bit, you know, better than me and, 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 and you're a little bit more sportier than me. And so we start to judge each other in using our own scales. And yet God says, hey, wait a minute, I'm in this picture too. So let's, let's have that comparison. Creator God, dirt, right? That's the comparison, right? Creator God, dirt, right? And that dirt only became life when Creator God breathed into him. That's what Isaiah tells us. Gives the people of God perspective in their sin and failure that comes from trusting in humans, who are at the end of the day are rag dolls with oxygen and that's it, rather than trusting in God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, man and the giver of life. Now, 2,500 years have passed since Isaiah wrote this. 2,500 years have, have passed and what's funny is humanity has not changed. The two biggest sins of humanity, idolatry and pride, still exist so heavily in the world. Think about your life. What are the different idols that exist in your life? What are the different areas of your life that receive time, honor, worship that should be for God and God alone? What are the things that you trust in rather than trusting in God? So I did some research and I looked up on Google and I typed in what are the top idols in the world? And it told me, BTS, Michael Jordan, and Blackpink. And I realized, okay, I need to be more specific with my questions. <laughs> and so then I typed in, what are the most sinful idols in the world? And it, this article, and I like this article, gave me six idols that we worship. Six idols that we as humans worship. Uh, the first one is this, me our identity, who we are. We are so full of ourselves. We love ourselves so much, more than God. Think about what you did in the last seven days. What did you do for you compared to what, you did, what did you do for God? It's not even close comparison. That's the number one idol in this world, you, self. Number two, mammon. Money and stuff and possessions. Man, you know, I, I'm going to confess, during lockdown, one of the great joys of lockdown, and we live in a cul-de-sac, and so we see every car that comes into our street, and it's like 
it's so exciting when Australia Post drives into our street because you know you got a delivery of stuff. You bought something online and it is finally being delivered. You know, that's sadly, sadly, it's one of the joys of lockdown. Still one of the top idols, money and stuff. Number three, the idol of entertainment, having fun, right? I know people that, you know, and once again, lockdown life, right? Netflix, Stan, Binge, uh, Paramount Plus, Disney, what else is there? I don't know, SBS Live On Demand, shout out to SBS, KO, even though KO was made by God. Thank you, God, for KO. We, we, we fill our lives with entertainment. And yet I, I wonder, how much time did you spend on Netflix versus how much time did you spend with God? Number four, top idols, sex, right? I'll, leave, I'll just leave that there without an explanation. My kids are watching. Number five, comfort. Oh, this one's so true. We live for comfort. You know? It's not just the newest shoe came out that we need, but it's the newest shoe that makes it more comfortable. You know? Like, everything that we do, for so many of us, is based around the idol of comfort. Think about it, right? Like, some of you don't even want to go back to work because it's just comfortable working in tracksuit pants. Some of you can't get out of your tracksuit pants because you've been at home for too long now and can't fit into your other pants. You know, that's just, right? But for so many of us, we live for comfort. We want to be comfortable. Isn't that what you say? You know, even when you talk about money and possession, even when you talk about job, you go, well, you know, why do you want to work so hard? Why do you want to earn all this money? And, and the answer is what? I want to be comfortable. Since, since when did comfort uh, become such an important thing in our lives? Finally, uh, I thought this was good. Uh, top six idol, our phones. Right? Oh, I'm completely guilty of this one. Right? Uh, Apple, if you, I'd love to be your ambassador, 100%, 110%. I, I'm, I'm not ashamed, but I, I got the brand new, the brand new Apple iPhone 13 Pro Max. Fantastic, right? It's, it's, we, we, the, the way we live our lives has changed so much, and our phones literally have become an idol. I remember many years ago, Pastor James Kim came and preached on this stage, and he and he and he put his phone and and, and his Bible on the, on the floor, and and he challenged us and said, "Hey, if you could only pick up one of them, you know, what would you pick up?" And and I think the reality is, for the most of us, we would feel more comfortable with our phones. They say uh, under the age of eighteen, the number one anxiety, the number one anxiety for teenagers is for kids to walk outside and their phones run out of battery. That is the number one anxiety. 
It's not, will your parents, you know, get separated? You know, will you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Will you fail your exam? Will you not have food on the table tomorrow? It's, oh my God, I've got 5% battery. What will I do? That's the world we live in. We've created these idols and we live for them. Remember, Isaiah wrote this 2,500 years ago. It's still relevant to us now. Identity, mammon, money and stuff, entertainment, sex, comfort and our phones. They're the top six idols that we live for in today. These are real idols. We trust in these things more than we trust in God. We invest our lives into these things more than we worship God. But here's the point. They're idols. They are part of the created order. They are not the creator themselves. They do not deserve your worship. Only God deserves your worship. But the problem is we have got this mixed up. They are not God. And what Isaiah says is this, when the day of the Lord comes, all of these idols will be brushed away and you will need to give an account why you spent your life worshipping these idols and not God. And what will you say? How will you explain your life? You know, one of the things that I've learned through this lockdown is that life is short. Things happen all the time. Things can change every single moment. If the day of the Lord, if, 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 if God was to return today, what would he find you doing? What would he find you worshipping? What idol would he find in your life? And how will you explain that to him? And don't worry, I know I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself as well. That's how Israel fell so far from God. And I think that's the warning for us. But what about pride? What about the sin of pride? That still exists, 100% it still exists. Once again, I, I looked at what are, what are some of the things that we should be proud of in our lives, right? Number one, your job. So many people, that's that's what they're, they're proud about. What kind of work they're doing. Uh, and then that's linked with, you know, how much money and, and, and their significance and their title and, and look how busy I am and look how awesome my empire has become. We're so proud of that. Thinking that it was all us. Second thing that we're proud of is our family and friends. Right? And this is, this is real. No one's going to admit it, but this is real. Who you married. Look who I married. Look how well I've done. Or your kids. Look at my kid. Perfect A student. Right? I know a lot of the families in our church, they've only got young kids. But I know you. And you're sinful. And you're proud. And you want your kid. You know what's funny? You want your kid. If, and I thought about this. You want your kid to be like me. I know this is going to sound really bad, but I'm a textbook Asian kid. I ticked every box, right? I went to the number two school in New South Wales. I have so many degrees and letters at the end of my name. My surname is actually shorter than the amount of letters that I have after my surname, right? I know that you're laughing now, parents, but you know who you are. 
I'm just saving you face by not naming you. I know you, right? But I promise you, you might think that's nothing now, but later on when your kid becomes a teenager, right, you will be like that. Something that you either be proud, they will either lift up your esteem or they will kill your esteem. You know how jacked up that is? Number three, your sense of style. I love this one, <laughs> right? We're so proud because the sense of style is about what you wear, right? And it's not just about what you wear. It's about your accessories. It's about what brands you wear. It's about what brands you relate with, right? Like, I kid you not, right? You think about what clothing you're wearing. You think about what kind of technology you're using. You think about the kind of car you're driving. You think about what watch you're wearing, and it all tells you something about you. And it's, it's, it's like, this is who I am, right? I'm a, I'm a Rolex kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not like that Seiko guy. I'm a Rolex kind of guy, right? Or, or, you know, I'm an Apple user, right? I'm all Apple. I'm not like that Samsung. You know, I'm not like the, the, the Huawei, you know? Like, I, it, we, we, we relate ourselves and we're so proud, Right? We're so proud, you know, um, as if we've kind of earned it, right? I remember I, I, I was like this when I was a bit younger. Well, I'm still like this, but, but I, still, I remember this, this uh, incident where uh, my parents uh, got to a place where they, the, the car that I was driving, that I learned to drive in, uh, was starting to die and it was time to get a new car. And my parents were like, okay, well, what about a uh, Toyota Camry, right? And I was like, whew. And automatically, I was like, I wonder what my friends would think about me driving a Toyota Camry, considering that one of my close friends was driving, you know, like a, a Silvia or I don't know what, what that car was. It was a low car. It's a very thin car. I don't know if I could get in that car kind of thing, you know, like, you know, like, I don't know how the doors open on that car. You know, it's like, it's like the Batmobile, you know, I, I guys driving like four wheel drives, like big muscly cars and things like that. And I was like, hmm, am I a Toyota Camry kind of guy? Right? I just had this thought. I was like, and I was like, wow, like I, it's not even my money. Right? But I was like, I don't know if I could drive Toyota Camry. And I ended up buying a, a Honda Civic because I figured I'm a Honda Civic kind of guy. Right? The things we're proud in. Right? Uh, number four, oh, this is an interesting one. Your ability to forgive. I thought this was really interesting. Right? This is now talking about your morality. Right? People are like, I'm so forgiving. Someone could, someone could wrong me. I'll forgive them like this. I'm so proud of it. Look how, look how big my heart is. Capacity. Right? So, and it's like people are proud of that. People are proud. Like, look at my generosity. Yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Like, look how much I give. Look how fat my wallet is and look how fat it is I give in the offering basket. You know? Things that we're proud of. But if you really think about it, why would you be proud of things that, that you haven't done? The money that you think that you earned, but it actually wasn't you. Like, you're alive because God gave you breath. Number five. Oh, this is hilarious. I completely do not, uh, I don't understand this one, but your body. 
uh, just before uh, our live stream, we we had a, the, the, we had a conversation around what what exercises we do at the gym. And the gym, I tell you what, the gym has become one of the greatest centers of worship, the areas of, of pride in our lives, right? For some people, it's about how big they can be. Look how big I am. We had one of the guys at our church, oh, he was like, oh man, I haven't been to the gym and I've, it's like I've shriveled. You know, I've, I've lost all the weight, I've, all my muscles were shriveled. You know, and he was so depressed and the self-esteem was just like rock bottom. You know, and then they were talking about, well, what exercise do you do when you go to the gym? You know, oh, well, I, I go out to the exercise machine and, and I bump the weights. And then, you know, like, and then you got people that are like, oh, you know, like, I run. I run. Be- and, and, and it's like, how much do you run? I run 5K. 5K. I run 5.8K. You know, I run. I, I'm going to do a triathlon. You know, it's like we, the body has become this center of worship, something that we're really proud of. But at the end of the day, your body is just dirt put together by God. It's just some people have different shaped dirt. That's all it is. Are these things that we really should be proud about because the problem with pride is this it's all rubbish in comparison to who God is and what he has done for us end of the day what have we done if you keep it in perspective of God and you what have you done we have done nothing and yet we try to take credit for everything friends you and I are, are broken vessels in need of the power and the forgiveness of God to be alive and to have a future. Pride is not what we should have if we understand who we are. If we truly understand who we are, we don't move towards pride but we've got to move towards humility to recognize that without God, we have nothing. And this is what the Israelites did not do. They thought that they were something, that they had achieved something, that they didn't need God. They did not understand that without God, they would be nothing. That if God did not send his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to take away our sins, our reality is that we would have a one-way ticket to an eternity of destruction and damnation in hell. But when we recognize that God is our Savior, there is no room for pride. There is no room for pride. Because what boasting will you have before God Almighty on the day of the Lord? Answer me that. What will you say to God that will impress God on the day of judgment Compared to what God has done for you? And the answer is nothing. Friends, Isaiah tells us that there will be a day where the Lord alone will be exalted. There will be a day where Jesus will return. There will be a day where God will put things back the way they should be. There will be a day where you and I 
We need to stand before the judge, before the creator, and give an account for our lives. What will you say? How will you explain the way you are living your life and have lived your lives? How will you explain the life that you have spent worshipping idols and being proud and taking credit for all that God has done for you? Friends, don't be a fool and think that there are no consequences to the way you live your life. The actions that you take and the decisions that you make right now, that's ridiculous. Even children are made to understand that. And yet for some of us, that's how we live. We think that we can do whatever we want and get away with everything. But friends, that's foolishness. It might not catch up to you right now, but it will catch up to you because there will be that day. The way you treat God, the way you worship the world, your selfishness and greed. Friends, if this is the bed you are making, then you better be prepared to sleep in it. Might not be today or tomorrow, but you will one day. But when we choose to worship God and God alone, and give him the credit and honor that is due to him. When we humble ourselves to acknowledge our sinfulness and the need for a savior, if that's the bed that we make, then what we get is Jesus paying the price for your sin. Jesus paying the penalty that we deserve. And instead of us, Getting what we deserve, we get what Jesus had. That was his righteousness. Friends, make no mistake. This will happen. The day of the Lord will come and is coming. So consider where you stand with God. Consider how you live your life right now. Consider what you worship and what you're proud of. And I pray, unlike the Israelites, unlike the Israelites that fell away from God because of their idolatry and their pride, that you and I would recognize God as Lord and Savior of the world. And put your trust in his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and your sins and your eternal future. The day of the Lord, when it comes, there will be fear and trembling. But there will also be great joy as salvation will be complete. Let's pray.